The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. You're listening to the Aldis Podcast. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Greg Garrett. Greg is the Vice President of Cybersecurity at Periton. Greg, welcome back to the show. Hi, JP. It's both a privilege and a pleasure to join you today. Yeah, and we're so glad to have you back. For those listening, Greg was on the show previously back in 2021, I believe, as part of our ServiceNow series. We're delighted to have Greg back. We're going to talk about what's been going on in, in the space that Greg works in, digital transformation. But before we do that, Greg, for those listening here who were not able to catch the original episode, can you give us a quick recap of Periton, who you are, what you do, mission of the business? So uh, I'm the vice president of cybersecurity at Periton. I lead and support over 3,200 cybersecurity professionals throughout the United States and internationally. I have the opportunity of leading our cybersecurity community of practice to share all of our solutions, our capabilities, our education training programs. And currently our company is managing over 150 active cybersecurity programs with a total contract value of more than $4 billion. And our company provides a full spectrum of cyber capabilities across all technologies, all domains. We support U.S. federal, state, and local government agencies. And for me personally, I've been involved in cybersecurity and information technology and telecommunications and systems engineering for over 30 years. I spent many years as a United States Air Force military officer, managing over $15 billion of complex IT and cybersecurity programs, as well as space systems. And for the last 20 plus years, I've been an industry executive, including many years at Lucent Technologies, serving as the chief information officer and chief information security officer, and as the head of global cybersecurity and the global CISO at BDO International. And for the last three going on four years now, I've been the vice president of what was Perspecta and was acquired two years ago is now the Paratime Corporation. Thank you for that. Super helpful. And guys listening, please go back and check out the original episode. But Greg, the reason why we wanted to get you back on the show is to talk about what's been happening in the world of security and digital transformation, particularly over the last two years. So can you take us into some of the conversations that you're having at government level with CIOs, CISOs? What are the hot topics? What are the trends? And where are you and Periton spending your time helping these senior leaders across the federal security and government space? So JP, that's a great question and has a lot of, I'll say component parts, right? One of the 
things I'll share with you is as I have the opportunity to talk with senior government executives, what I hear very consistently is that their workforce is extremely challenged. And I mean that from the standpoint that they just don't have a sufficient number of people to be able to manage the growing number of cyber attacks and the growing number of cyber intrusion attempts, as well as the level of sophistication. Sonic Wall publishes a global cyber threat insight report basically every year. And their report that they just published here in August, which talks about the level of cyber intrusions and attacks throughout the first six months of 2023. So when I look at that, it's startling what the numbers show. It shows that on a global basis, that there's been a 21% increase going up to 3.7 trillion cyber intrusion attempts worldwide, 37% increase in Internet of Things malware, that's up to nearly 78 million pieces of IoT malware that have been identified worldwide. There's been a 22% increase in encrypted cyber attacks. And this is a startling number, a 399% increase in crypto jacking attacks. And so I cite those statistics because they're indicative of the kinds of discussions that I have with senior government executives who are seeing all of that play out. And then further in that same 2023 global cyber report from SonicWall, they talk about how the U.S. government sector is one of the top three most targeted sectors here in the United States. And it also talks about how cyber intrusion attempts in just the first six months of this year increased by more than 45% during the same period last year. And it also stated that the government sector here in the U.S. is the single most targeted area for encrypted cyber attacks, meaning trying to decrypt encrypted software or encrypted data. So it just makes it an extremely difficult place to have data security, data integrity, and cyber resiliency. Does that make sense? It does. Those are some incredible statistics and numbers, which really speaks to the importance of every government sector, federal organization to be up to speed, modern with their tech stack, make sure they have the appropriate levels of security, which I know is where Perth are helping these groups and divisions. When you look at the, the current landscape for the public sector, what are the biggest challenges that you see these, the various branches of government, it could be small municipal up to large federal, what are some of the biggest challenges they face in getting to the point where they're technology infrastructure and security is to the level that it needs to be? Another excellent question, JP, and one that really gets to the heart of the challenge. It's always about people, it's about technology, and it's about business process and partnerships, at least in my experience over the past 30 plus years. And I'd say that's 
consistent. The number one concern, as I mentioned earlier, that I hear at the federal, state, and local government level is the cybersecurity workforce. The shortage of experienced and skilled and properly certified cybersecurity professionals. But here in the United States, JP, there's more than 750,000 open jobs in cybersecurity. And that's just here in the United States. There's more than 3 million worldwide. And within the federal public sector, there's over 100,000 jobs currently available for qualified cybersecurity professionals. I mean, that gives you an idea of the level of the challenge that they're dealing with. Yeah, the level of challenge, but also a huge opportunity for people in the broader workforce because there, there's a real need. It's ever growing. The demand is out, outpacing the supply year after year as we need to get the message out there that this is a place where you can have an established career for a long period of time. And I know Peritana are doing great things in the space, but amplifying that message already. Oh, you're absolutely right. And really from the workforce theme, I would touch on a few others. The second is tied to the workforce and that's the need for security orchestration, which is really sharing information across the government agencies and from critical infrastructure industries to the government agency. So we can have a whole of government and a whole of nation strategy against these global cyber attacks and the need for increased automation, be able to bring in more artificial intelligence, AI and machine learning to really be able to respond more rapidly and more effectively to these cyber attacks, as well as being able to enhance the data analytics. I would say if I could JP too, one of the other big challenges that I hear from these government executives is how much money that they have to invest each year in all, what I'll call maintaining a lot of their legacy information technology systems just to try to keep them operational and as secure as possible, while at the same time trying to modernize those systems and in some cases then replace those systems. The analogy of flying an airplane while trying to change out the wings. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I know that's something that's particularly relevant to our work at Alice in, in the federal space. We spend a lot of time work with federal organizations talking about the needs to have a modern tech stack and infrastructure. This brings up ServiceNow, which I know we covered in the previous episode. There's an ever growing demand for, for ServiceNow in the federal government space for those points that you just mentioned. Before we move on to some of the other stuff we want to talk about, over the past two years, what have you noticed about ServiceNow within the federal government space, just its increased functionality and how it's helping these organizations go from legacy to modern so that they can then build a modern security layer around the modern tech stack? Building off of the uh, discussion we had last time, ServiceNow is a is a great strategic business partner of ours at the Periton Corporation. And we work uh, very closely with them around, especially their information technology service management platform. And over the last two years since we last talked, we at Periton have worked very closely with ServiceNow, who 
I would typify, and this is my opinion, is really the gold standard for information technology service management platforms within the government. We worked closely with them to help them enhance their four cybersecurity modules within their platform. And we've done that. And I mentioned in our previous podcast, we developed a, what we call SIFT application programmable interface to pull in all the tenable vulnerability scanning information directly into their vulnerability management tool, as well as into their incident response module. So there's more integration in real-time assessments, as well as pulling that into the compliance module so you can have a more rapid capability for doing what we call continuous authority to operate, uh, which is basically making sure you have appropriate security measures on all your software and systems. Now, in addition, we've worked with ServiceNow to operationalize their security orchestration and automated response technology through the use of automated incident response playbooks. We've also helped them operationalize the MITRE cyber attack framework in, into the NIST risk management framework. And we spent a lot of time with them, I'll say, bringing customers up to speed on how to customize these capabilities within the ServiceNow platform. A lot going on in that space. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. Greg, I want to spend some time now talking about some of the more interesting aspects of what's happening at Periton. You and I were talking off air about Periton's history within R&D, longstanding, some incredible innovations within technology that has impacted the federal government and security space for many, many years. Before we talk about the exciting R&D that's happening right now, could you maybe g- give us a, a bit of a summary of some of the cool and interesting standout R&D projects that Periton have been a part of and responsible for, which has ultimately landed into production and development in the government space. And then we could talk about some of the more cool stuff that's happening today for the near future. Uh, Periton Labs is what I call the crown jewel of the Periton Corporation. And within our 18,000 employees worldwide, we have over 500 of some of the sharpest scientists and engineers in the world working at Periton Labs. And its history goes all the way back to the creation of Bell Laboratories over 100 years ago in the original development of the telephone and really spans that 100-year history in all aspects of communications technology from AT&T Bell Labs to then Lucent Technology Bell Labs. And as I shared earlier, I spent 10 years as an executive at Lucent Technologies and worked very closely with a lot of the scientists and engineers up in New Jersey where their home labs are and have been again for decades. And just incredible research and breakthroughs that they've done. Some have been government funded research and development, 
for organizations like the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency or the U.S. Army Research Labs or U.S. Air Force Research Labs or the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Agency. And some have been internally developed, what we call IRADs, Independent Research and Development Projects, that the company has done to really just advance the technology. Today, Periton is very proud that we are the number one provider of cybersecurity research and development for applied research and development, and have really developed some incredible technologies and tools that we've shared with the government and with a lot of the critical infrastructure industries. And following that deep history of R&D spanning the many decades, what sort of R&D are you guys doing now? What that you can share with us anyway? Is there anything cool, exciting, or, or standout that you can share with us? Well, uh, look, JP, I could talk all day on this topic, <laughs> but I'll summarize a few, and you may have to cut me off, but look, on, I'll tell you the name and tell you a little bit about it. And for each of these, there is publicly available information that you can go to the Periton Labs website to learn more about. And some of them, there's even YouTube videos on. So we're trying to get the information out about these technologies and tools. So the first one you know, I'd like to mention to you and your audience is called Energy Defender. And Energy Defender is a part of a suite of, of tools that we have under what we call Secure Smart. And we've developed this, this toolkit, you might think of it that way, for industrial control systems and the critical infrastructure industries like energy companies, power companies, water, gas, electric companies, really ac across the board. And under this line called Energy Defender, what it is, think of it as a sensor-based monitoring system that allows us to basically track the operational technology and the industrial control system devices from their operational capabilities, as well as the information flow in and out of those systems at the metadata level to see if they're being attacked, whether any infiltration is being made into those systems and if, if any impacts are being made on the operational use of those systems and or the exfiltration of data. And so it's a fairly complex system, but fundamentally it secures our water supply, it secures our electric grid, it secures a lot of our critical infrastructure. And again, we've deployed that technology of Energy Defender in numerous industrial control system companies across the nation since 2017. And that's so important because as we think of the future of warfare, uh, attacks on critical infrastructure, unfortunately, is part of the strategy and we see it happening in, in other regions right now. So to know that the U.S. has a levels of protection already in place is reassuring. So that's good to hear. Greg, you and I were talking off interview and we were talking about how invested you've been in this space for many years now, spanning several decades. And it's something that is not just your job, it's your passion. We talked about a number of publications and the writing work that you do, research. I believe it's up to 24 different books right now. So you're always doing something behind the scenes. What can you tell us about your latest project? When can we expect something new from you? 
So look, I appreciate that, JP. And I'm very passionate about cybersecurity, both in the public and private sector and on a global basis. And because of my background in aerospace and working space systems, one of the, I'll say, hot topics that I have that I'm working with U.S. Space Force and with the Space Information Sharing and Analysis Center called Space ISAC and the National Cybersecurity Center on is on the topic of cybersecurity for space and making sure that we have a mission assurance associated with all of our space operations, because most people really don't take time to think about how complex our space system segment of our industry is, because it involves hundred over 100,000 companies across the United States. And it's not only the satellites and the rocket boosters and the launch capability, but it's also the ground processing stations it's all the hardware and software that goes into not only the communications technology, but also the uplinks and the downlinks, the communications with the satellites or other space vehicles. And it's the entire supply chain of all that software and hardware that goes into those systems. And candidly, what's happened in that area is a lot of commercialization of space with companies like SpaceX and others that have been tremendous in driving down cost and putting up more lower orbit satellites, increasing communication and navigation technology, great advances. Unfortunately, all that commercialization has created more cybersecurity vulnerabilities to potential attacks. That's one of my hot topics. And if I could, one other I'd like to share just real quick. Yeah, please do. Is quantum computing and the rise of cyber attacks on encrypted data and the concerns that if government organizations don't develop more what we call enterprise encryption management, that will become under increasing attacks with the growth of quantum computers and their ability to be able to rapidly de-encrypt almost any code. So being able to have what we call quantum safe technologies or quantum resistant algorithms is extremely important. So those are very hot topics that we're actively researching and writing about on a daily basis. That again is important to hear and important to know because quantum supremacy is going to shape the future of the world. So knowing that there's individuals like yourself and organizations like Parathon working behind the scenes on this stuff, can we wish you all the success in that because it will benefit us all. Great. Final question for me then, turning it back to the audience. Parathon is growing, growing constantly, growing rapidly with an ever increasing need for people in the cybersecurity and digital transformation space. As somebody who's a senior executive leader in the business, you're involved in shaping the strategy of the company as a whole, but you're also involved in the hiring strategy. When you're speaking to people about Parrot, particularly candidates who have a skill set and culture fit that would be a good addition to Parrot, when you're speaking to these folks, what is it that you tell them about Parathon that would get them excited enough to join you guys or some of the other great companies trying to hire, whether it's in cybersecurity on the ServiceNow side, digital transformation. What can you tell us about Paraton that would make somebody want to join? 
So like another great question, JP. And just yesterday I had that same conversation along with two of my colleagues trying to entice a, a very experienced industry business development executive to come join our team. And I'll say some of the observations I shared that I think make Paraton unique is that we are a company that's really focused on what we call missions of consequence. And so we're looking for people to join us to help us solve some of the toughest cybersecurity challenges in the world, right? To, to benefit the nation as a whole and the security of our national assets and resources. And part of our theme as a company is doing or to do what can't be done. So we like really challenging ourselves, our people to solve some of the most significant technology challenges and digital transformations across the U.S. federal, state, and local governments. And we're looking for people to join us that want that kind of challenge and also want to work with some of the best and brightest people in the world and leverage some of the coolest technology in the world to do that problem solving. Greg, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Great to hear about all the exciting developments that have been happening over the past two years at Periton. Great insight into why this is so important. The landscape has changed so much during this time. So it's important that, that companies like Periton are trying to stay one step ahead of the aggressors and cybersecurity is an ever-growing risk. Really informative around just how risky it is for the government sector and federal space. And then the R&D stuff, it really does sound quite futuristic and sci-fi, but it's real, it's happening now and it's important. And then finally, an insight into why Periton is, it, it continues to be an incredible place for to work. So for our audience who are interested in digital transformation, security, service now in particular, please keep an eye on Periton as it's, it's a great place to work, has been for many years and will continue to do so. So Greg, thanks again for your time, man. We look forward to having you back on the show again in the near future. Always a pleasure, JP. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.allthis.com to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.